You're listening to Once, episode 98, The Evil Queen. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And this episode is brought to you in part by Audible. You can get a free audiobook from audiblepodcast.com slash once. And I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. Now, we've rewatched this episode, The Evil Queen. And boy, is she evil. Long live the evil queen. <laughs> But just before we do that, I I don't normally like to put irrelevant things in the beginning, but I think everyone would love this. Remember last episode, (laughs) or actually, no, this this episode, yeah, last podcast episode. Afterward, we when we were doing it live on a Sunday night, like Mm -hmm. we normally do after the Eastern and Central Time airing at oncepodcast.com slash live, we were having fun and just making jokes about (laughs) Maleficent's scream Right when she is the undead Maleficent in here. And imitating it, we started to sound like (laughs) screaming sheep or goats. There's a particular parody of a Taylor Swift song out there that you may have heard, and it uses screaming sheep. And our uh, listener, one of our listeners, Matthew Paul, and he's also a forum moderator for us, put together this stuff that we mentioned in the podcast. It would be awesome if someone did this. Well, we said it after the podcast. And he put it together for us. And this contains excerpts then from the undead (laughs) Maleficent and Taylor Swift. (laughs) And I'll have this in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 98. It's great. I love it. Great job, Matthew Paul. We will have that in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 98. So you can watch that over and over and over and over again, (laughs) as I've been doing. (laughs) It's just so great. So perfect for Maleficent's screen. But let's get into talking about the evil queen and this episode. In our initial reactions, uh, oh, by the way, I didn't mention Jenny wasn't feeling well tonight, so it's just Jeremy and I. But um, in our initial reactions, I'd mentioned that that review part at the beginning of the episode seemed really short. Right. 16 seconds. Okay. That's how short it was. And I, I wasn't able to go back and check every single past episode, but that strikes me. I, I'm I did glad go back. to know that you actually weren't able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I did go back and check several of them and randomly and 16 seconds is definitely the shortest so they were probably definitely trying to squeeze everything in that they could probably or there was just not much of the past that was relevant to this episode yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um if you don't know by now we're just not gonna explain it hook was limping all throughout this episode they got some stunt doubles here and there when they had to get shots of him climbing things and running but because colin colin o'donohue the actor who plays hook (laughs) broke his leg earlier 
And so they've had to work that into this. They could have just given him a peg leg. (laughs) (laughs) He's already got a hook, so, you know. Well, that's a different pirate. True. Well, no, that's I don't know which pirate that would be. Yeah, that's a mixture of pirates. (laughs) But let's start off our discussion with the Enchanted Forest. The... um, When the guards broke into the little hut and they were looking for snow, it seemed like the guards both knew that snow wouldn't be there. And the way that Regina walks out saying someone must have tipped her off, the way the camera lingered on one of the guards made me think those guards might be loyal to snow. Okay. Totally missed that. Maybe they tipped her off. Maybe. Or they were just worried about what was going to happen next. Well, even when the queen said, kill all of the townspeople or the village people, one of the guards looked to the other as a look of what really, like, we're really going to do that. So I, I'm thinking that they're not quite as loyal to her as we might think. Maybe mm-hmm. they did tip off snow. Maybe. I, I think I don't know. That looked like a lot of loyalty on the ground later. Yeah, that's the thing. When they then grabbed fake Regina, or real Regina in a, dis- <laughs> in a disguise, <laughs> and all of what they were saying there. Yeah, so mm, I'm I'm <laughs> a little torn there about that. But I think it could be possible that, I mean, certainly with as much as the villagers and everyone else believes that Snow should be the queen instead, I wouldn't be surprised if some of even Regina's own guards believe that snow is the rightful queen yeah maybe. might be a little bit more loyal to snow but they serve regina maybe because regina has their hearts who knows and i think that later on we heard the name of one of them and i'm pretty sure it was a name we've heard before I'm not sure if it's the actual same actor but pretty sure we've heard the name and uh, regina said this funny line that I think can tie into uh, Rumpelstiltskin a little bit. No one? Not one of you wants gold? Bell does. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. No. And yes. And Lacey wants gold more. Bell wants Rumpelstiltskin. (laughs) Speaking of Lacey... Stupid Lacey. Emily DeRaven, who plays Lacey or Belle, was listed listed in the credits for this episode. But she appeared, I think, the briefest shot of any actor (laughs) we've ever seen before. And it was through a telescope. (laughs) Well, I don't know if it was the briefest ever, but it was brief. Yeah, just super brief. But she was listed in the credits. I'm sure we'll see more of Lacey soon. So when Regina goes to back to her castle and Rumpelstiltskin is there and they talk about this shape shifting. One of the things that I was thinking about is when Rumpelstiltskin said that he, or when Regina asked him to shape shift her, mm-hmm. he said he would be the only one that could change it back. Yeah, that right. makes sense. But he also said that she wouldn't be able to use her magic. Right. I started to wonder, is that a shape shifting rule? Mm. Not just his rule, but an actual thing that you can't do if you shapeshift. I don't think so. Because I was thinking to every time we've seen someone shapeshift, and I can't remember, and our chat room might correct me on this, but I can't remember a time 
when we've seen someone shape-shifted and then use magic while they're shape-shifted? Well, it depends on what oh. Cora did when she was not killing <laughs> Hopper. Well, you know, as soon as you said that, and the chat room has now pointed it out, I realized Pongo. Oh. Because while well, she held Hopper up, yeah, and then she shape-shifted. We didn't see that actual part. We saw the right. cloud. Um, but she shape-shifted then and apparently killed him. But... As soon as she walked in, she fr- yeah she froze you Pongo she before trouble. she froze Pongo before she shape shifted back. So I, I could be wrong on that, but I do wonder if that's maybe a general idea. But now I'm I'm second guessing myself with that connection. Well, you you have to use magic to shape shift back, right? As well, it's kind of a funny rule, actually. I wonder how it, he was even able to impose that, or if it was necessary or well that's another interesting thing that he was able to disable her magic yeah because i mean with that it seems like if they start battling one of them could just shapeshift the other from behind and (laughs) boom no more magic or snail maybe you have to be at a certain level where you could control it enough to change yourself back in order to use magic yeah you would have to start it in order to be in control of it. I don't know. It's dangerously close to being one of those things that theoretically should be able to punch a lot of holes in plots. (laughs) Because if she could walk up behind Rumpel at any time and shapeshift him and disable his magic, there would be no battle anymore. Well, I don't think she would be able to shapeshift him. But maybe well at this point she can do it so yeah well at this point meaning um later on in the series and yeah present day in storybook yeah and she's not new to magic either because this is about 10 years after she started learning magic from rebel stiltskin when she first pushed cora through the mirror or the looking glass highlights maybe (laughs) yeah someone suggested maybe she was able to do that because in an episode that chronologically occurs after this it looked like she had some highlights in her hair (laughs) i don't i don't know about that for sure oh what the purple ones (laughs) (laughs) Um, well i think that it could also be rumple disabled her from using magic because he didn't want her to so easily be able to kill snow and thus he loses the motivation he was feeding her to eventually enact this curse. That could be. Because he's scheming. He's scheming so much in this. He was so giddy later on when she says, I want to punish them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and even in this episode, like we mentioned in the initial reactions, he gave a hint of part of his plan, which helps place this episode and other things on a timeline. I need you to cut off all trade with King George's realm. King George, why? I need him bankrupt. (laughs) And that bankruptcy is what led King George then to form the alliance, or try to form the alliance with Midas, which got King George's son, James, killed, which then brought David into the picture. So then David could meet Snow, they could fall in love, and then Regina would have even more motivation for the curse, as well as... Rumpel would get his true love potion. 
It's like all of these things. He's moving the chess pieces over hundreds of years into place so that he could make the curse. Seems like he has a slightly clearer picture of the future than it sounded like when we saw the seer. Yeah, or it could just be this is a particular detail he's kind of figured out, like seeing King George's kingdom struggling Mm -hmm. financially, and then he thinks to himself, because he's 300 years old, so he's intelligent, he's wise, he's studied people, he's been around a lot of people all over the world, their world, whatever their world is like, and across different worlds. So he's been able to see what kind of events would take would be required for something to be put into motion. So he can see, all right, King George needs his kingdom to go broke, or I need his kingdom to go broke. How can I do that? Mm, look at the ally. I mean, it's like so many movies out there where they're plotting something. They do all this research and they find out information. Who are the allies? Who are the associates? Who do you need to attack to make it actually hurt the other person? You know, look at Count of Monte Cristo. It's full of that with the revenge story of mm. uh, how he plotted his revenge and hurt. And revengeiness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got an email from Winnie who... Uh, by the way, also helps us with our show notes quite frequently. Thank you very much for that, Winnie. And Corbin is writing our show notes for tonight. But Winnie sent in an, a possible Easter egg observation. When Rumpelstiltskin was there talking with Regina in her castle, and just before he shapeshifts her, he's playing... Winnie said this, The little Easter egg I noticed is Rumpel was playing with a handheld mirror while interacting with Regina. Is this a possible and probable nod to the Beast's mirror from Beauty and the Beast? Um, Because he, in hmm. the Disney Beauty and the Beast, he used this mirror to be able to see things. And he would just say to the mirror, show me this, and it would show him that. I forgot about that. That's interesting. Yeah, I was thinking more like, I don't know, I kept expecting to see Sydney or something. Yeah. Well, he's overleading a revolution. Both times, he's looking at the mirror, and I'm thinking, is he aware of what's in there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So, he uh, also said, interestingly, he said, once the deed is done, call on me, and I'll return you to your regal self. A couple things here. He said, once the deed is done... So when Regina had called him before, the deed wasn't done yet. And she never did finish the deed. So that makes perfect sense why he said that, or why he didn't answer. True. Even though he said he would return her to her regal self. He said only he could. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't really say he would. But the other interesting thing is both he and Regina referred to her as regal I wonder if that's a nod to people who love Queen, Evil Queen, and uh, Mayor Regina Mills are called Evil Regals. Yes. So maybe a nice little nod to them there in the episode. <laughs> I just want to hear Tiny say, dude, please. It's probably too late, but it is too late. So when Rumpel changed her, this is also another hint to something that happens in Storybrooke. When Rumpel changed her, she did not feel anything different. She didn't feel that she didn't have magic. That sounds like a double negative. Right. But she didn't realize she didn't have magic until she tried to use it later. Which is very similar to what happened in Storybrooke, that she didn't Mm -hmm. realize she was missing it until she tried to use it a second 
time, which we'll talk more about that little detail in a moment. But uh, it it makes me think that when her magic is removed, yeah, she truly can't feel it because we've seen that so many times that when she's lost her magic temporarily, she's mm-hmm. tried to use it, forgetting that she doesn't have it, but just assuming that she has it, right. not any indication whatsoever that she has any feeling of magic being there, unlike the blue fairy who can feel magic. Hmm. And also Cora could feel magic when they came to Storybrook, or maybe it was just that Cora thought, I'm going to deparate, and she did, and she realized, no, there's magic here. (laughs) But I think she actually felt it when she got there into Storybrook. Then when when the guards were taking Regina away, thinking that she was this zealot against the queen, we learned a couple interesting details about the guards. One was hired despite his drunkenness, and the other... (laughs) was flogged for lateness is that really what she said yes because i couldn't tell for sure she she said to one of them i hired you a year ago despite your drunkenness and to the other she said um uh, i flogged you i had you flogged last spring for lateness it's a moral of the story don't be late with the evil queen also evil queens take timing way too seriously <laughs> yeah when regina then was saved by snow i kept trying to figure out how was it that she was cut and wounded and it was when she was up there on the platform one of the guards tried to cut snow's legs with the sword and in the process the tip of the blade hit regina that's what also knocked her off the the platform that she got cut there, she fell down, and then eventually fainted from the pain of it. But so that's how she got her wounds. And Snow is heal, helping to heal Regina. And Regina called herself Wilma, W-I-L-M-A. Really odd name for herself. I wondered if maybe that was her grandmother's name like Mm. cora's mother's name Mm -hmm. because we've never seen cora's mother and i don't think we really have to ever see it but i do wonder if that was just a family name because regina has reused certain names and there inside the little lean-to i wonder if snow was maybe starting to detect that something wasn't right because when Regina said, you don't know how to do that, referring to killing the livestock. Snow almost looked like she recognized something wasn't right. Maybe. Snow referred to... I don't think she'd have given her a sword if... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. Unless it was kind of a test. Because we've certainly seen that... Short test if she hadn't felt guilty. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen that Snow has had all kinds of tests for Regina to try and give her second chances and third chances and so on and so forth. But Snow had said that she learned how to hunt the queen's livestock or the, the royal livestock from someone in another forest. I'm thinking this was Robin Hood. 
Because she says another forest. What was she saying she learned from this person? Um, Hunting the... Killed the queen's livestock that Uh was around. She said that. Yeah, it could be. And that's part of what Robin Hood was known for. Killing... Well, they the Robin Hood legend is that uh, part of what he was doing was killing the the king's livestock or the the animals that were in the kingdom of the king in the mm-hmm. forest. They were wild, but they were considered to belong to the king, Aww. and that was something that was part of the Robin Hood story a little bit. So I'm thinking that that plus the whole thing that she's using a bow and arrow that she probably learned from Robin Hood, and the lawn story is something we haven't seen. The other way to look at it is it could have been Red. And yeah, that's certainly a long story. And Red had a crossbow in her episode last year. Um, uh, red-handed. But I can't see Red really being the one to teach Regina, or to teach Snow how to hunt with bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. Snow, uh, Red taught Snow how to track... Yeah, that's a very wolf thing. But bow and arrow, not very wolf thing. By the way, speaking of the bow and arrow, I've got a little correction to make on myself. In last episode, Lacey, I I inappropriately said that Snow was using the exact same bow. It was Robin Hood's bow in when she was in present day fairy tale land and when she was in selfless, brave and true shooting arrows out in mm-hmm. the woods. No, that bow she actually picked up from the weapons that were stockpiled with Mulan and right. the, um, the fake guy and all of them <laughs> on this in safe haven Island. And that's the bow that snow then carried back into our world and was shooting in the forest. But I did compare the bows uh, Robin Hood's bow to the bow we saw in Heart of Darkness that were described as the same, and they are the same. They look the same. They've got this unique little leather grip on the upper part. So, a uh, nice little nod to the prop department there that they got that awesomely right. When Regina then... Uh, I'm questioning some grammar here. Maybe I'm getting a little too technical on this. When Regina and Snow were walking in the woods and they came then to that village, uh, well, just before this, Regina seemed like she did want to be a family again and to be loved. And she's talking quite often about wanting the people to love her and that she just wants love. And that's probably also why she got Henry because she wanted to be loved. And it it makes me wonder if this is truly what she wants, or maybe she's struggling with wanting power instead of love, or like she said, she wants everything. Pretty much. But when they came to the village, she said, we've gone further than I thought when they came to the village. <laughs> now, here's a little grammar <laughs> lesson. Farther... <laughs> F-A-R, is for physical distances. Yes. Further is for more like metaphorical or mm-hmm. ideas. Like, um, you know, this. I've gone further than I thought is more an idea of I've done more than I should have done. Not I've traveled a farther distance. So I do wonder if when she said that, it kind of had a double meaning of 
we've gone further than I thought when she realized that what she had done and what she had had her people do to the the village people. Quit calling them village villagers. People. I can't take it villagers. seriously. <laughs> <laughs> to the villagers. But then again, it could also just be, it's a common thing to uh, mistakenly interchange further and farther. Yeah. So that could have been what it was. But it did make me think. And I know I could easily be nitpicking too much there. But did you was, think what about her meaning? Yeah, if maybe she did realize that, oh, we've gone further than I thought uh, in like we meaning their relationship or what she was having her soldiers do. Well, it was a play on words. It was kind of a sad one because they are different words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. And Snow uh, gave Regina the chance to run. Snow had the chance to take the revenge, or some could actually call it justice there, because Regina had people murdered. And Regina uh, was definitely guilty, but Snow still gave her a chance, because I think after all of that, even though Snow said no, she doesn't deserve a second chance right there when actually faced with the opportunity to take Regina's life, Snow did not take it. And maybe part of it, I know one of the other Once Upon a Time podcasters were theorizing over this, that maybe part of it was that Snow was still looking at the face of someone else, even though she was positive it was Regina. So maybe that's part of what kind of distracted Snow from what she was trying to do. I mean, what do you think, Jeremy? Do you think Regina actually does want to be a family again? Or is she just wanting the attention, wanting the love, just being selfish with it? What do you think? I think it's the same thing that they've set up through the entire season, that she goes back and forth and she wants everything and she makes the wrong choices. And it's just a continuation of the same theme. Mm Mm-hmm. When Regina then went to Rumpelstiltskin's castle, another idea that gives us the timing for this episode was that Rumpel joked and he said that he already has a maid and he called her a promising girl. (laughs) So this seems early on in Skin Deep, placing this in that timeline early on, probably before the whole Robin Hood incident. Or it could be a little bit after, but somewhere around then, early toward the Skin Deep instance when Belle had come in, because I think that's the maid that he was talking about. He certainly wouldn't be uh, referring to someone else. I don't think he's ever had another maid. Maybe he has. Yeah. Although they did back in Enchanted Forest when Bay was around. But he just entices her to be evil and just waits until Mm -hmm. he asks her, what are you going to do? And she says, kill them all or punish them. Mm -hmm. Then he gives her her power back. Mm -hmm. He is playing her. He's using her so much, driving her to revenge. I wonder if he made her smell better. (laughs) (laughs) Have the peasants no soap then? Yeah, he really went all out on those details. And last thing we hear from her is uh, the long live the evil queen. And she embraces it then 
because she's out for revenge. For a minute, anyway. Yeah. Because now she still thinks she's not evil when story broke. And yeah. Yeah, and she's referred to that several times or a couple times before that they said, um, they, Snow and Charming, made me evil. I was the queen. They made me, they gave me evil, the evil or something like that. They referred to the fact that it, she wasn't the one that turned evil. And that's the thing. She blames everyone else for her decisions. Mm-hmm. In Storybrooke, she actually said, if it wasn't for everyone else, she would not be an evil queen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is true. You can be a really patient, good person when you're by yourself. So I guess her solution is to just kill everybody and she'll be fine. It's kind of like my saying, I would be an excellent husband if it wasn't for my wife. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that makes the point. And no, I'm not blaming my wife for my husbandry ability husbandry (laughs) husbandliness okay but uh it is my responsibility just like it's evil queen's responsibility anything else you want to say about enchanted forest before we move on david used to know about husbandry yeah that's true (laughs) he was the shepherd Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but nothing else I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this episode of Once Podcast. It's Audible. Check them out at audiblepodcast.com slash once. And here's what's really amazing. When you sign up for audiblepodcast.com slash once, you get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook that you get to keep. There are more than 100,000 titles at audiblepodcast.com slash once, and you've got to check it out because they've got a whole bunch of fairy tales and storybooks and things that you could read. And here's my recommendation for you. I'm not liking the idea that I really have a feeling I'm going to end up drinking coffee because of the evidence that Neil went to Neverland. So I'd recommend for you guys, our listeners, that you should listen to the Peter Pan audiobook. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash once, that's O-N-C-E, then you can find, just do a little search on there after you sign up and find the Peter Pan audiobook. You can get the abridged, the unabridged version. You can even get a dramatized version. It is uh, great to be able to consume that. Then it's as convenient for you to, quote, read unquote, just as it is for you to listen to this podcast. So when you finish listening to the podcast, you can then, in a sense, read the stories that we're talking about in the podcast and or maybe not talking about, depending on which way this goes and whether I have to drink coffee. But you know what? If you sign up at audiblepodcast.com slash once, I might drink an extra coffee just for you. But you've got to check them out because there are more than 100,000 titles, audiobooks, dramas, abridged, unabridged, so many choices to pick from. And if you've already read the Peter Pan audiobook and you want to look for something else as your free audiobook that you can keep with your free 30-day trial, then you've got plenty of other things to search for. Look up the Grim Fairy Tales or Snow White, or there are several uh, iterations of the Snow White story. You can even get Snow White and the Huntsman as an audiobook to listen to. So Audible is a fantastic service, and I highly recommend that you check them out, and I really think that you'll enjoy them. If you enjoy listening to podcasts, which you probably do if you listen to us, then I think you'll enjoy Audible too. Check it out at audiblepodcast.com slash once. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E podcast.com slash once. And thank you, Audible, for your support. So let's move on to talking about Storybrooke. 
At the beginning, Hook seems all confident in himself. And in fact, he says this. I killed Rumpelstiltskin. I'm sated, replete. My life's purpose met. Wow, he's really stuck on this revenge thing. But understandably, because he spent about 300 years, or 250, somewhere around there, years plotting his revenge on Rumpelstiltskin, Mm -hmm. assuming that time passes the same way it does in Neverland as it does everywhere else. So Of course it does. We're not playing that game anymore. (laughs) Uh, So he's had all that time to plan his revenge. So he's had many lifetimes to plot his revenge, to plan it, to think this, to feel it, to live it, to look forward to it. Now that, at least at this point in the episode, he believes he believes he has had his revenge. He says that his life's work is complete. Which is why he's so content sitting in storage closets and trailers <laughs> and broken clock towers. Yeah, and in case anyone doesn't remember, the clock tower was broken from... <sighs> When Johanna was yeah. pushed through it by Thank Cora. you for bringing up that wound. Yeah, sorry. But I, I know the first time I saw it, I thought, what? In case anybody doesn't tower? remember, Regina killed Graham. <laughs> oh, no, you brought that up. I did. That's kind of, <laughs> it's very similar. Actually, I'm probably going to get hate mail. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Send it to. <laughs> Actually, it's already in the chat room. <laughs> but. Uh, Hook, by the way, is one of the <laughs> oldest characters. I would say probably the third oldest character we're seeing in uh, Once Upon a Time. I'd say in order of age, it would be Blue Fairy, Rumpelstiltskin, Hook, and Belfire. I think th- that's the order of the oldest people in the storyline. Hmm. But Tamara said, uh, called Rumpelstiltskin the Dark One or she was familiar with who he was. And Tamara could have known this from Neil. Probably from Neil. I mean, if he's helping her, that would be probably number one. Mm -hmm. So here's who I really am. Yeah. Yeah, easily. So I know the first time I heard it, I thought, whoa, she's been really tracking these people. But then, you know, as we saw the episode, as it progressed, we learned that Neil actually helped her with this list and that makes sense now when she says this and she said she's a quick learner too so neil i think that implies that neil has been teaching her so this super super fast scene that we saw of bell and mr gold together uh, also i think this is the shortest bit of screen time mr gold has had when rumpelstiltskin has had a lot more because the only part we saw of them was the two of them walking out of the rabbit hole. And they were actually walking out of it. And I'm I'm wondering about the timeline here. I'm thinking this might be just later in the night from Lacey. Uh, so after maybe, or it's supposed to imply that they've just been getting on very well. Well, Belle is wearing the same dress that she was when oh. uh, she or Lacey is wearing the same dress as when she and Mr. Gold went on their date. And remember how that date ended with Mr. Gold beating up the former sheriff. Oh, I remember. So I'm thinking that happened almost right outside the rabbit hole. Maybe. And so after they finished beating him up, 
They go into the rabbit hole for a little post-beating up date. So Emma really needs to do a little sheriffing. Although I guess maybe that ship has sailed. Funny <laughs> how that was technically a sheriff who got beaten up. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I think because of their dress, this is just later in the night from Lacey, which would make sense too, because at the end of the episode, Lacey was when we saw Greg and Tamara bring in Hook in Storybrooke. Mm -hmm. So this could be, they just brought him straight into the clock tower, brought him up there and then started their dealings. Dealings. It's a good piratey word. And Hook is supposed to help Greg find his dad. But how? Is it just the thing of trapping Regina? Or is there maybe some other purpose that Hook will fulfill in helping Greg find his dad? I don't know. What do you think? Do you you think that Greg and Tamara have a bigger plan for Hook in this whole scheme? A bigger plan for Hook. I have no idea. But Tamara did say, we know how to kill magical creatures. And I think this goes back to the taser thing. That the taser is a magical creature killing machine of some sort. And they've they've developed this technology somehow, which raises the question of where is this all coming from? Uh, The technology for this to be able to kill magical creatures. How did they find out that it would work? Because I don't think when Tamara went to the dragon in selfless, brave and true, I don't think she tested the potion and then made the taser from it. I think she already had that taser that she knew would work on magical beings. Maybe, or maybe the potion was the last remaining piece that they needed to make this magical creature killing taser. I have no idea. (laughs) It's all so muddy at this point, and some of it is so new, and it has not been... Some of these elements are so new to the season, even, Mm -hmm. that it's just not very developed yet. So I don't know if they're setting up a bigger story, really, to tell in season three, or if it's really all just been for the finale. I think it could be both. I could see... I could see this going the direction of something that will carry over into season three as a major plot, or I could see them resolving this in the next two episodes. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. They have a plan of which direction they're going to go. And by the way, speaking of season three, we don't have definite confirmation, but Lana Perea tweeted a response to someone saying that they resume filming for season three. They start filming on July 12th. So they're planning. It seems like they're planning for season three we just don't have official confirmation of that and if they already have a filming date then they probably already know where they're going with the first arc of season three well one would hope yeah that's really why i like shows typically is that they are planned out in advance Mm -hmm. so when uh David and Mary Margaret were on the dock, and we saw that ugly fisherman there, which actually ended up being Regina. <laughs> That's nice. That ugly fisherman. Have the fishermen no soap then? I am kind of glad that they finally wised up and realized we can't keep offering her second chances or 
you know, umpteenth chances because every chance that they've given Regina, she has chosen evil over doing good. Yeah, they are kind of the, or Snow at least has tended to be way too, I don't know, accepting of Mm. who Regina is. I mean, chances are good, but uh, once they're failed, I think at a certain point, he's, David's being completely reasonable. Mm -hmm. But why were they sitting in the rain under a blanket on the dock? Have they nowhere to go? Date night. Hmm. Good job, David. Good job. (laughs) Tight budget, you know. Well, I thought we could just sit here under this wet blanket. Um... Because it's definitely not a metaphor for the wet blanket that I'm trying to throw on your plans (laughs) for life at all. Well, they seem pretty set on their going back. and They do, and now Henry really wants to go. Yeah. And Regina wants to go, too, but not as a prisoner. (laughs) Not as anything but a lone destructress, if I can make up a word. (laughs) That works. (laughs) The evil destructors. <laughs> so speaking of her, she goes to Henry because she has no one else to talk to. And yeah, which is strange. It's like when you get to the point where you have no one to talk to about your evil plans, but a child whose memory you're pretty much just going to erase right after you do it. I don't even know. <laughs> just go hide in your dungeon under the mausoleum. With all your dresses, just just go sit down there. You'll be fine. And everybody else will be better off. Mm. They could turn that into a prison cell. She could just put on dresses and look at herself. <laughs> well, she did have plenty of mirrors down there, so I wouldn't be surprised if she tried that. But this fail-safe thing, really, I, I think maybe during season one or early on in season two, I'd thrown out a theory that maybe they would destroy Storybrooke at some point. I think she has to put it into a jewel-shaped keyhole under the mausoleum and turn it, mm-hmm. and then there'd be a big blast. Yeah, so what does that go to? <laughs> That's a big question. Or maybe she drops that in the well. <laughs> Please, no more dropping yeah. things in the well. <laughs> but I do wonder, did Stiltskin know about this? Was this something that she built into the curse herself instead of letting it be the way he created it? Because some things like Belle's personality, Lacey, Rumpelstiltskin again didn't create that. Regina created that to be the opposite of Rumpelstiltskin because he didn't even know that Belle was still alive when he gave Regina the curse. So, yeah. So I think there are certain details that Regina added on top of it. It's kind of like a chef or someone just good with cooking. They receive a recipe and sure, they might follow the recipe for the most part, but then they decide, I think this really needs a little bit more flavor here or maybe a little bit more of this or less of that. I Mm want to play with it, make it a little bit more unique to what I want it to be. I think that's the approach Regina took with the curse. Perhaps. Perhaps. But it will destroy Storybrooke and kill everyone And she's willing to do that just to have her own happy ending. Why have we never heard about this failsafe before? I think we haven't needed to. It does make me wonder things like, okay, so the failsafe was in Snow White's coffin. 
when Regina found that piece of Snow White's coffin in the episode, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the episode. It wasn't the cost, uh, the price of gold, um, but the episode around then when we first met Jiminy Cricket, the still small voice, that still small voice, that's the name of the episode. I wonder if when she had that little piece, the glass piece from the mine of Snow's coffin, if maybe the writers were even thinking back then, this is going to be a reminder to her of there's a fail safe inside this coffin. Hmm. I mean, that'd be cool if they thought of that even that far back. Aaron in the chat room pointed out that until the beans, Regina wouldn't have been able to leave with Henry. So she would never have used it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they could leave town, she didn't want to get stuck there. She would want to go back first. Well, and she never had any expectation that the curse would actually be broken. Right. But I mean, since then, yeah, this whole year, she hasn't brought it up. But it makes sense that she needed the beans first. Yeah, because if she left Storybrooke, too, uh, just in our world, she would lose her magic. Not her memories, but her magic. Right. So she, of course, wouldn't have that because she wants her magic. She's addicted to it like a drug. But this uh, fail-safe thing, I wonder how it works. I wonder if we're going to see it used. Well... I think we will. Maybe. Season one, break the curse. Season two, break Storybrooke. (laughs) The book that Regina used was her spell book with the heart on the front. We didn't see the front in this episode, but the back of it, I took some screenshots and I'll have some of those screenshots at oncepodcast.com slash 98. It is the same spell book from Rumpelstiltskin. It's definitely the same binding. This, the back of it is the same, too. So you can see those screenshot comparisons okay. over at uh, onespodcast.com slash 98. But our listener, um, Brian, sent in a good question here and a good thought about Regina. He said, if Regina goes back to the Enchanted Forest, won't the Wraith find her and take her soul away? If I'm not mistaken, that is where the wraith was sent when it went through Jefferson's hat and broken. And that's true. Does it get more than one target at a time? I guess it does. Well, yeah, that's that's a good question because it took Philip. But maybe, oh, okay, here's a crazy idea. What if we go back to present day fairy tale land and we see Aurora and Mulan and they get Philip back. So now the wraith has lost Philip, the Wraith needs to go to one of its other targets that it hasn't acquired. It finds Regina. Or they've simply defeated it. Yeah, that could be it too. Somehow. And that would be my bigger expectation, is that if we see Aurora and Mulan again and the Wraith, that they would defeat the Wraith instead of uh, you know, just simply extracting Philip from it. <laughs> <laughs> well extract of philip <laughs> i'm okay i'm okay i don't need to see any more of that honestly <laughs> we're, we're good where we are right now when hook came into regina's office she was looking at that bean plant did you see how many beans there actually were i did not count the beans or guess how many beans were in the jar <laughs> there were three there was one pod okay. but there were three distinctly three beans in that little pod 
beans in a pod. So I'm thinking this could be, I'd been considering that she had only saved one bean mm-hmm. and that this stock would only give her one bean. So they would only have one chance of going to one place, but this is three. So okay. that means I think the finale could be that we see three people or three groups of people go different directions. One person could take all three beans and have the ability to go to different places. Somebody could eat one of the beans, and I don't even know what would happen. Weight loss program. <laughs> no doubt. It'll feel like a portal in your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Were the dragonflies in the picture on Regina's wall always there? Yes, I believe so. Okay. The lighting in her office was a little bit different, different than we've seen of it the before. Beans. Um, but like I thought that maybe the walls were painted darker than we'd oh. seen them before. But I went back and looked at other things. And no, it was just the lighting was different. Right. Some of the other side lights weren't on. I still can't quite figure out how to reconcile her being in her office sort of as the mayor with everything that's going on. I just don't know why that just stands as it is. Or I think she's just trying to be in control. And although... The people don't really respect her as a mayor. Maybe that's just the place where she feels like she can work. It's kind of like her castle. It's her little office that she's made mm-hmm. like a throne room almost for her. She might have no authority in there, but she feels like she can do some True. plotting and paperwork while no one's looking. <laughs> True. Now, back to this fail-safe idea. We got an email from Isabel from, uh, well, about... Storybrooke's fate. She said, now that the failsafe has been introduced, do you think there's a real possibility that Storybrooke will cease to exist on the show completely? Would that make you all as sad as it would make me? It would make me sad in one sense. It would make me glad that they're willing to change things. Just it needs to be in a logical way, I suppose. I am the type that some people aren't going to like this. When there's an end of the world movie, I want to see the end of the world. (laughs) It's one of the reasons I like the movie knowing. Oh, sorry if that was a spoiler. Oh my. And here I do actually want to see Storybrooke destroyed. (laughs) Whoa, you heard it here first, (laughs) folks. I don't say that as like I'm evil or something. I just want to see them move on to something else maybe move outside of Storybrooke and our world, and it changed the, the dynamic of the um, telling completely. Right, which is kind of what I thought we would see this year a little bit, what I kind of wanted to mm-hmm. see. I didn't anticipate the barrier curse, and so I thought these <laughs> magical beings were just going to scatter all over our world, and that there was going to be an actual war a little more along the lines of what we saw in Gold's shop. Only I thought it was going to be happening in New York or something. Yeah, yeah. it's not really what happened, and that's okay. I, I could but see it could that happen still eventually, just somewhere else. Maybe. Right? Yeah, I think because they've introduced this failsafe, I really think they're going to use it, and I kind of I want to see them use it because of what it will do to the storyline. I'm not destructive minded, but I want to see them change the storyline that much. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe this would be a jumping the shark kind of thing, as some people would want to call it. This is something they've had in mind for a while. The parts of this season with people in New York, I thought those were really good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed seeing the characters in other places and doing other things. And 
it it would be more possible in a way to have this story not feel like there are pieces missing. For example, not having seen Catherine or Cinderella one time this year would make more sense if everybody were scattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, in different true. places. So it could be really good. But the whole reason that Cora brought Tiny in the first place, or Anton, was because she knew he would grow beans, or he'd be able to grow beans. And Cora's plan was to take Regina back to fairy tale land. But now Regina wants to do that and take Henry back, and she then rebuild her kingdom there and rule over whoever is left there, rule over the ogres, whatever, if anyone's even left there. Because Cora killed everyone that was on the safe haven island. The ogres are there. It really makes me wonder, is there anyone left besides Philip and Mulan and Aurora? Why do you say that she killed everybody? Remember on the safe haven island? Well, they weren't necessarily all in that one camp. That's true. Yeah, there could have been other camps, but it did seem like the way that Aurora and Mulan or Mulan and Philip had talked about it, it seemed like everyone had gone to that island because that was the only safe place. Yeah, it was hard to tell from the bubble how much land it encompassed. Yeah. And of course there'd be no way to know how many people live there, but I'll take yeah. a census. So hmm. With what question. with what Hook knows about Regina's plan, I wonder why is he still siding with Greg and Tamara? I'm thinking it's kind of because of this conversation that he had down in the mine with Regina. I think it's more because she pushed him off a cliff <laughs> to be killed by an undead woman. Well, even before that. <laughs> Because I think, (laughs) but apart from that, (laughs) yeah, well, Regina, I mean, Emma is dying. I think that's pretty much what he said, but we'll go on about the conversation. Yeah. So before the whole um, (laughs) off the cliff thing, then, uh, or before that, Hook and Regina had this conversation kind of about, about revenge. And here's what Hook said. You ever wonder if this constant pursuit for revenge is the reason we've known a curse for us? I mean... Well, this is over, and I know the crocodile is dead, for good and all. I have nothing to look forward to. Life will be empty. Revenge may sate your being, but don't misunderstand me, my dear. It's an end, not a beginning. It was right after her response from this that he then stretches out his arm, and she sees the cuff. Oh, I see. So I'm thinking this was a little test on her because he later said that he was about to side with her, but then he decided to stick to... Well, I think he said until you pushed me or something, but maybe not. Maybe that's just what I assumed. But I think he, he had the option here and he was testing her. And then when he realized, no, she's still bent on this thing, then he proceeded with the plan, reached out his arm so that she would see it. Because he didn't even say anything. He just reached out his arm as a gesture to, for her to lead the way. And that's when uh, she saw the cuff. Uh, he could have had many opportunities before that. But I, th- I think that uh, going back to um, before this, 
we saw Mary Margaret and Emma have this conversation. And Mary Margaret was being very motherly when she said this. But your superpower has been known to be unreliable, Emma. Especially when you're emotional. She is very much acting like a mother to Emma. And it also is that confirmation that we've needed to hear in the episode. The writers have said this, basically. They've said it outside the episode. So I appreciate that they've brought it into the episode. (laughs) Yes. I always appreciate that because sometimes listening to the official podcast is good and Mm -hmm. it clarifies a lot of things. But uh, often I think I'm left going, all right, we could bring that into our discussion, but I'd really rather get that out of the show and not kind of have to hear them say it mm-hmm. if it's what was intended. So yeah, it's great to hear confirmation. Yeah. Which is completely consistent with everything we've seen. Right. We've seen when Emma has been emotionally involved in something, but uh, so it, that, yeah, I think those couple little hints in this episode of that and some other things too have been in there for the other fans who watch the tv show a bit more casually and have all these questions about why isn't this working those fans who don't listen to our podcast because we've got smart listeners (laughs) smart fans of once upon a time listen to one's podcast (laughs) that needs to be on a bumper sticker maybe a bumper sticker (laughs) yes and there are a bunch of other once upon a time podcasts out there too that i highly recommend listen to as many as you can as you have time for because you'll get different perspectives from each of us Check out our list of all the Once Upon a Time podcasts at oncepodcast.com slash more podcasts. And this summer, we will be hosting a couple roundtables with some of the other podcasters, too. And you'll hear from some new people, too, some of the new podcasters. And so I highly recommend subscribe to as many of the Once Upon a Time podcasts as you can so you get a complete perspective. And speaking of other podcasts, I want to give a shout out to... Greetings from Storybrooke. They're having a little giveaway on their podcast. They're giving away the Once Upon a Time book, Reawakened. They're giving away the ebook for it, and they have certain roles there that go check them out at greetingsfromstorybrook.com to participate in their giveaway. And if you don't win the copy from them, then you can purchase it through our affiliate link to help support One's Podcast by going to oncepodcast.com slash reawakened and read the article there by Melissa and then also purchase through our affiliate link there. And you can purchase the paperback or the ebook there through our links. You know, you've watched too much Once Upon a Time when someone starts to say the name Melissa and you think he's going to say Maleficent. <laughs> yeah. There are so many lists out there of you know you've been, uh, you're, <laughs> you know you're once or when and all of that. So speaking of Maleficent, she was guarding this trigger. She was also way, way down and hook fell how did he survive well he's hook okay are they going to use that to explain the limp (laughs) no the limp i think was explained by the car crash oh the car um, you know i forget all these things that happened to him he's kind of like the punching bag of the show at the moment (laughs) when a guy gets a broken leg you gotta work it in somehow (laughs) but the way that regina explained maleficence being there i think does make sense and the writers kitsis and horwitz pretty much reiterated this in their official podcast there's a powerful spell down there that keeps maleficent in whatever form she's in Mm -hmm. keeps her alive whatever form she's in 
I don't think Regina said alive. Well, I didn't get that sound clip, but it can't keep her in whatever form she's in because she was in the form of a dragon. It didn't do too good a job at keeping her in that form. Yeah, that's true. That's the thing that kind it of, says it, she said it sustains her. Yeah. In whatever form she's her in. Alive. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Sustain. Okay. Yeah. I get it for that use of the word sustain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why all of these ashes then turn into Maleficent. And Maleficent's job is to guard the trigger, to guard that place, which also I think makes more sense of why Maleficent was a dragon down there, is she was there to guard the trigger. And a dragon would be a great guard, unless you have prince charming sword and you're emma and you know how to throw a sword like your dad does after yelling hey <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. look back at the episode broke or not broken but uh, a land without magic was that awesome scene and maleficent turned to ashes then so that's why we see the ashes now poor woman she just had people hiding stuff with her and in her and all kinds of things <laughs> yeah when Hook saw her, though, he recognized her. He even, he even said uh, that... Which makes no she sense. Looks, she looks great in earth tones. But, yeah, I wonder, did he know her? Even if he did. If you looked like that, I would not recognize you. Just saying. Well, she did have the crown thing that was kind of like horns yes, on. true. Okay, so maybe... And Regina had never said Maleficent. She just said a friend. Right. So he knew her name somehow. He did, yes. Maybe Greg and Tamara told him. Maybe not. Maybe... She's not that old. Yeah. Presumably. Everybody seems to be. Maybe he had heard of Maleficent somewhere else. Or maybe he's been friends with Maleficent in some way. or, Or enemies with Maleficent in some way in enchanted forest but it'd have to have been very very close to just before the curse because he came back went to find bell got the information about the dagger Mm -hmm. then went with cora was then trapped by the curse all of that Mm -hmm. so he could have been in enchanted forest longer than that or coming back and forth between neverland and enchanted forest i don't know it's it's a lot there but it does make me wonder whether he knew maleficent before this Maybe they were friends. Maybe he was the person that Maleficent loved mm-hmm. and lost. Uh, crazy idea, no. but probably maybe. not. But no. Yeah. But maybe but no. Speaking of people we love, <laughs> we love some of the people who have donated to make this episode of Once Podcast possible. David Newland, Car- Callie Foster, and Mike Mateson have all donated to make this episode of One's Podcast possible. But Michael Mateson has more than just a simple name to this donation. And today is May 1st when we're recording this, and it is Mike Mateson's wife's birthday today. So Mike has sponsored this specific episode because Anne, he's a great husband (laughs) and he wanted to wish you a happy birthday. So from us or from Mike through us (laughs) to you, 
Happy birthday, Anne. Uh, you'll probably listen to this episode a little bit later, but happy birthday. Give Mike a big hug. He's had this little secret for a while. He sent us this email for a while and he said, <laughs> I wanted to sponsor this episode because it's her birthday. So his actual <laughs> message great. said for Anne on her birthday because she likes to listen to the podcast so much. So happy birthday, Anne. And our chat room is also saying happy birthday and happy aww, birthday, Anne. <laughs> happy birthday to you. <laughs> And that's as much as we'll see yeah, of that. No. Pretty much, pretty much. So <laughs> give your husband a big hug. He's a good husband. And so thank you, David, Callie, and Michael for your sponsorship of this episode of One's Podcast. If anyone else would like to donate to make One's Podcast possible, then please go to onespodcast.com slash sponsor, and you can send a one-time donation or you can send a monthly donation and have it automatically deducted from PayPal, just like David and Callie have done and many others to automatically sponsor One's Podcast with their donations. So check that out at onespodcast.com slash sponsor. Moving on then from Maleficent, this trigger is a jewel. Regina pulled it out of Snow White's coffin, which what a place to hide it, by the way. This coffin randomly Mm -hmm. down there, which we've seen the coffin before. And we don't know how long Regina and Hook had been walking because of the way the scene cut. It doesn't make it look like they just walked through a short tunnel from the um, from the elevator. So they could have been walking a bit longer. But it's it looks like a kind of amber-colored gem mm-hmm. of some sort. It's actually amber. It has a mosquito in it. And... <laughs> The trigger is going to help them bring back the dinosaurs. And uh-huh. that will destroy Storybrooke, Jurassic Park 18. <laughs> right. Well, there was a dragon down there. Dragon legends often describe dinosaurs very well. <laughs> so, hey, it so, could be. Hey. <laughs> so, that's That's, that's my how Maleficent theory. got to be a dragon. Okay. <laughs> we are way sidetracked. Today. <laughs> uh, yeah. When Hook defeated Maleficent, that's why I assume he did. I think he did it because of something Greg and Tamara gave him or did to him. Because he does give them credit when he came up. He said that basically it was for uh, with help from his friends, Greg and Tamara. And my two thoughts are either, one, they gave him the taser, and he was able to use the taser on Maleficent, or... Maybe they did something to his hook and they said, stab her with this, press this button, stab her with this, and it will kill her. Now, he did get her with his hook once when uh, she tried to attack him and he got her with his hook on the back. But then that's when she did the screaming thing that's in our video made by Matthew (laughs) Paul, (laughs) the I Knew You Were Trouble video. She becomes even bigger after after he had tried to stab her in the back. So it kind of makes me wonder that maybe his hook wasn't infused with whatever this was, but maybe they gave him something else. But I think that's a very reasonable thing Mm -hmm. that they gave him something. You wouldn't, because we didn't really see the end of all that. And you wouldn't think they could have, certainly they couldn't both have gone down there because then nobody could have gotten them back up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, so they probably helped him get up. Mm-hmm. How did Regina get back up? Well, here's the thing. I don't think 
the cuff actually affected her magic until she was near Greg and Tamara. Mm. Because she would have had to have used magic. She was surprised when Hook was up there. Why? What? And what made it activate? Maybe it's some kind of frequency or hmm. something like once she got up there, then they were in range and they could press the button and it activated and now it stays activated. So if she get well, maybe. Interesting. Hmm. Now, just before this, Emma and Henry do on their little stakeout thing. Yeah. And go in Tamara's apartment. But but in the car, <laughs> Henry is called a smart kid. And he figures out that maybe there's a way back to Enchanted Forest. Mm-hmm. And maybe a magic bean. And maybe it was brought in uh, with Anton. Mm-hmm. How do you know that? Could it maybe be something to do with the um, the magic of Regina's forgetfulness spell on him is wearing Uh, off in some way maybe um or maybe they're like these subconscious things because we've seen subconscious stuff stick with some people it's funny because i was completely distracted by the fact that emma lied to him even though she swore she wouldn't and he didn't even bat an eye he just figured out the truth and she's like oh yeah okay here's the truth you're right you're smart um, what happened to not lying? <laughs> you were not supposed to ever do that again. And I pretty much assumed he would fly off the handle if he figured out you were. So, so there's that. I was completely distracted by that, but that's a good thought because I think beyond the idea that Regina is just super pathetic, it seems like there has to be more to the plot for her to have gone and told him all this and then erased his memory. Yeah. Like, it's not going to work the way she thought it did. Now, Erin Jay has an idea on this and she sent in this voicemail. Hello, podcasters. It's Erin Jay. I have a quick theory about the spell that Regina put on Henry after her conversation with him that made him forget everything. The bulk of the theory is more of a question, but I'm wondering whether as Regina grows weaker with her magic or whether her as her magic fades from the cuff or whether it will happen right away. But I'm wondering if Henry will start to remember the conversation that they had. I'm wondering if this is the only time Regina's warped his memory. I think perhaps she has warped it at other times, like uh, made him forget stuff. But I do wonder if it's permanent. There's a lot of things that, um, I can't remember the show it's from, but there's some, something that the only way to undo it is to kill the witch who did it. That might be from Charmed or Harry Potter or something, but I'm wondering if getting rid of her magic will do the trick and that maybe Henry can kind of be the one to save the day again, um, like he did last season with eating the apple turnover to kind of make Emma remember. That whole thing made me think of this show called Roswell, which is from like 1999. It's from when I was in like primary school. It made me think of it because... Like, I always associate that show with Once Upon a Time because Emily DeRaven was in Roswell. But she did this thing. Her character in Roswell did this mind warp thing. And then eventually it caught up 
with her because she warped people's brains so much that they started to blend the warped memories and the real memories. Hmm. So it kind of backfired on her. Sorry, that's a spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched Roswell. <laughs> but um, I'm wondering if it's going to be something like that and that Henry's going to kind of remember that Regina's done this to him before and that maybe he will remember all of the stuff that she has made him forget. I did find it curious that as soon as he started talking about, as Emma started talking about finding a way back home, he was like, oh, there's beans and that's going to make it the portal and blah, blah, blah. And that was all the stuff that Regina had said to him. So I kind of find that curious. So maybe it did make him forget that he had the conversation with Regina, but the stuff that she told him was still kind of on the forethought of his mind. So I am wondering if that will happen. Thank you for the feedback, Aaron. We really appreciate it. And some great ideas there. I like the idea that it'll wear off slowly, or maybe it's coming out in subconscious in some ways. Mm-hmm. So thanks for sending that in. Let's Aaron. have a wager. At some point I'm not in the next coffee. two weeks, no, okay. he's going he's gonna to say something totally crucial, and somebody's going to say, Henry, how did you know that? I'm just making a prediction. And then they'll bring Archie Hopper back and have him. <laughs> no, there's not Henry time for that. <laughs> so I love just how cute it was. Henry, Neil and Emma with their scene and breaking into Tamara's apartment. Not a whole lot really happened there uh, to discuss or theorize over, except that I think there might've been something under that floorboard, but that Tamara and Greg have it with them. Maybe that's where they put the taser. But it's clearly not there. So, or whatever it is, if there was anything, which I think there was. Um, so they, they, yeah, they've got it. Emma just had bad timing there. But uh, Neil lied about buying Emma's thing with lies, but she points out to him, "No, you totally bought it," and he realizes, "Yeah, I did. You're right. I bought." You, it, she perceived his lie that he was accepting that she could perceive lies. So it's kind of cyclical okay. or, or circular. I'll take I mean, your word for it. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. <laughs> but Neil did say that he helped Tamara make the list of who is who. And I think that's very understandable because helping Tamara understand what's going on, cope with this really understand the guy that she's engaged to and is supposed to be in love with, but she's clearly not. I would question if she's really in love with anybody. (laughs) I think that when they're not sneaking around town, plotting, trying to kill magical beings or, or limit their magic in some way, scheming, doing all their important work with all the best stuff known to man... I think Greg just follows Tamara around. And if Neil walks away for a second, they make out. (laughs) That's a good idea. That's pretty much what I think happens the rest of the time. And then there's like the scheming stuff at night or whatever. But yeah, because I can't figure out why Neil came back to the room by himself after they had just left. Um, No, he stayed. He stayed. Yeah. Well, it didn't show him coming back to the room. Neil? Going back to tomorrow's room? Yes. They have the same room. 
So they waited for them to leave Granny's and then they went in. Right? Yes, no. Oh, um No, the the order of sequences, maybe I might be misunderstanding you, but the order of sequences was that Emma and Henry were in Emma's bug. Mm-hmm. They saw when Tamara and Greg left Granny's. Correct. Then went to Tamara's room. Right. And they left, but Neil stayed. We don't really see what he oh, did, wait, they, but he just... Greg was with Tamara leaving Granny's? Because that doesn't make sense. No, I, I'm sorry. Did I say Greg? I meant Neil and Tamara So we saw Neil leave, so that Granny's. means if he was in Granny's, he came back. Came back to... Yeah. But Granny's has... Granny has the bed and breakfast mm-hmm. and the um, diner. And they're two different places, I think. They're... Okay. I think... Okay, that's where our confusion is happening because i only realized when we rewatched why they would be staking out granny's diner before going in they are together inside the hallway of the bed and breakfast you see a sign that points in a hallway and says diner yeah i've wondered that too but the thing there um i think that could be like a general direction because when we saw (laughs) There's a sign for another establishment inside, like this way to Granny's. Also, that's just basically the door. It might but you're be pointed like in the right direction when you walk sidewalk out. Sidewalk that goes from one <laughs> building to another. But I mean, behind Granny's be. is a parking lot. That's where they found Catherine. Right. We've seen the front of Granny's. We've seen inside of that's Granny's. True. And also behind Granny's is where um, Belle and the sheriff were making out in the last episode. Lacey. True. I guess it just made sense. Like, if you're waiting for someone to leave their room before you go in, that's why you, that's what you would do. It didn't make any sense that they were staking them out and just sort of watching them. You would wait until they go into Granny's diner to go to the room. Yeah, it was a little bit odd. Got to figure out some of the connections there. So I don't know if they're trying to consolidate and not having us know what the geography of the town is and hoping we forget. It is also possible, as they're pointing out in the chat room, that maybe they're connected side by side, but that's not the way we've seen it. The um, garage, the repair shop where Hansel and Hansel and Gretel's dad worked. <laughs> Han Solo, what? And where <laughs> Billy worked. Yeah. God rest his little soul. Gosh. Um, it's right next to Granny's. Okay. And there's no bed and breakfast. And we've seen the bed and breakfast um, yard. It has a whole yard trees and stuff we've seen it several times before several so i think that yeah i think that's somewhere else okay and in fact archie described it in the pilot episode archie described where emma could stay or someone described where well i wouldn't go too much by that but it's not just maybe behind the diner i don't think so okay well it could be a straight line from the diner but if people have more information because there are conflicting opinions in the chat room as well let us know and send proof. <laughs> I want proof. Now, I know we've got several listeners who are actually in Steveston. Uh, so if you could let us know uh, some of this, some insight. Now, how they film this could have absolutely nothing to do with the implied layout of the town. Right. But if there is a certain connection that you can point us to or say, yes, there's a straight line, or yes, these buildings are, are actually right across the street from each other, anything like that. If there is some kind of connection like that, please let us know. Uh, you can email us, feedback at oncepodcast.com. Now, back to Greg and Tamara inside the library with Hook. 
and Emma. Greg said that the cuff was designed to block Regina's magic. He did say your magic. Well, you think that matters? Could be. It could be calibrated to her in some way. And he called it the toughest metals and machinery known yeah, to man. Yeah, the machinery part was interesting. I hadn't heard that before. So it's it's something... Mm, obviously they had to have resources to do this. I really think there's some kind of organization behind Greg and Tamara that's helping them uh, do this. And we received this email from uh, Phoenix815 saying, my theory is that the anti-magic bracelet blocks certain frequencies. I think that magic has its own frequency. Somehow Tamara and Greg could have figured out how to create a device that gives off its own frequency that negates magic's frequency. So that could be the reason why Regina couldn't use her magic. The device embedded in the bracelet was preventing her from using it. Yeah, I think that's a great explanation of how it could be working. It could be something even bigger than that. Maybe it's a little taser inside of there that's zapping her constantly or anything. But she can't take it off. (laughs) Zapping her constantly. (laughs) And it must have come from somewhere. Well, yes. As Greg put it, it's not magic. Actually, this is something much better. Science. Does that remind you of anyone else in particular? Um, Whale. Welcome back, brother. It's magic, Dr. Frankenstein. No. Not magic. Science. Also an old Disney Channel show called Spellbinder. Oh, okay. Just throwing that out there. Didn't know that. <laughs> so I think, well, not think, but I wonder if there could be some connection between Dr. Whale and Greg and Tamara. Or maybe not a connection, but Dr. Whale will be involved in breaking whatever science they're using. Because Dr. Whale oh, is a man maybe. of science, not a man of magic. Uh-huh. And Greg and Tamara are people of science against magic. That sounds like an organization. People for the <laughs> <laughs> people of science against magic is so Doctor Whale could be <laughs> instrumental in breaking this. I almost said spell, but this anti-spell, this this cuff that is on Regina and preventing mm-hmm. her from using magic, and maybe whatever else Greg and Tamara have in mind to do then maybe Dr. Whale will help with that. Dr. Whale saves the day. It'd be awesome to see David Anders again in Once Upon a Time. Mm -hmm. The people that we interview tend to not be on the show anymore. (laughs) Just kidding. But it's been a long time, I feel like, since we've seen Hopper or Dr. Whale. Yeah. We will have some more cast interviews this summer, especially. It just didn't work out to get in the interviews we wanted to have before we returned from the hiatus, but we will have more interviews this summer. We're really excited for that, really looking forward to it. And there's even the possibility we might make it down to Enchanticon. It's the Once Upon a Time convention in Florida later this year, but we'll see how that works out with finances, sponsorship, and all of that. So we received a bunch of feedback on this point of science versus magic. Like once Wizard pointed out the connection also with Dr. Whale and Frankenstein and wondered if that might play a part of this. Uh, Alina Harris wondered uh, with this question, what if Rumpel foresaw that science could defeat magic 
And that's why he wanted to know everything Dr. Whale knows so he could protect himself. That mm-hmm. could be a cool connection there. Helps Maybe. Validate some yeah. things. Also, uh, Aisha said, Greg said that science is much better than magic. Could Greg be doing some type of science experiment on the fairy tale characters that he and Tamara are hoping to hunt down? Could he possibly be testing them to see how magic is inherited or acquired if it is? Do you need to have a genetic predisposition in order to learn magic? I don't think you need to have a genetic predisposition, but there are some people that are more powerful with magic than others. Those who are, in a sense, born of magic, like Emma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stiltskin's the dark one, but he, he didn't just learn magic. He inherited it, really, because of the dark, dark one powers. True. Regina and Cora learned magic. Blue Fairy is born of magic. Naturally or magic. Yeah. Or I don't something. Quite know her thing. We've never seen where fairies come from, and I'm not sure I want to, quite honestly. Dwarves yeah. are enough. <laughs> Greg and well, Greg said that he's on a mission beyond finding his father. Mm-hmm. So something, some other reason he's there. And when he said this, it almost looked like in the background, Hook, the camera focused on Hook a couple times. It almost looked like Hook was either uh, saddened by this maybe slightly fearful or hook was surprised by this Hmm. so they could be using hook in some way toward a bigger plan that he doesn't even know and we don't know what that bigger plan is but uh, tamara referred to bagging or regina makes me wonder what are they going to do with her and she looked at the list and asked who was she so it seems like I think everyone on that list is in danger of being right. taken, captured by Greg and Tamara. Kind of weird that they just... I mean, do you really think they have a reason to target Regina without knowing who she is? Well, I guess so. Greg does. Yeah, Greg does. But And Greg has a personal reason to target her. And it's not like he's known his entire life what was really going on in that town. Mm-hmm. And one other thing to consider in this... Greg and Tamara now have the fail safe. True. Because they have Regina. So what are they going to do with it? Do they know what it will do? I don't know how those two things are compatible even. Yeah. I could see them doing... I don't know. Maybe that's their goal. Maybe they want to destroy magic. Because after all, they said they know how to kill magical creatures. Maybe that's what they're after is killing magic. And so they want to use the failsafe to destroy magic completely, which we received uh, some great feedback from someone, I can't find it at the moment, that uh, was basically maybe Henry will side with them because Henry wanted to kill magic too. So this episode is going, or taking us in a really interesting direction. We're up to now the next episodes are two-part finale and we will have our live initial reactions and a live chat room during the episode initial reactions right after the episode both sundays at starting the chat room starts at eight o'clock p.m eastern daylight time and it also works for central time people that's gmt minus four and our live initial reactions are 15 minutes after the episode ends and we record our full discussion on wednesdays at 8 30 p.m eastern daylight time that's gmt minus four at oncepodcast.com slash live so we're finished talking about this episode of Once Upon a Time. We'd love your feedback 
on the next episodes of Once Upon a Time as they come out. You can email written or recorded feedback to feedback at oncepodcast.com. Call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. Or you can go to oncepodcast.com and send a voice message from your computer or iOS device. And one correction that uh, was made for us recently, well, from a bunch of people emailed in. In our last episode, we talked about lousy and what Greg might have meant with that. I know that the first about 1,000 people or so heard one thing from us. And I actually, because I received so many emails, I went back and added something so the rest of the thousands (laughs) of people listening would hear the slightly edited thing. But yeah, lousy, actually, if it's combined with the word with, it means an abundance of something. (laughs) So as I tweeted recently, the word lousy is lousy with ambiguity. Yes. Ambiguity. Yes. But so when Greg said the town is lousy with magic, he actually meant it's full of magic. It has lots of magic. Not that it's pathetic uh, using magic. So interesting things. You've learned several things about grammar in this episode of one's podcast. You know how to the difference between further and farther and lousy. And next we'll talk about effect and effect. (laughs) (laughs) So we've also got some spoilers that we'll share after the music ends for this podcast. And uh, big thanks to Hunter for providing that spoiler segment. But we want to receive your feedback, and we'd love to hear from you what you thought about what we shared in this episode of Once Podcast. You can comment on the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 98. Big thanks to everyone who has left reviews for us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. It encourages us, and it helps other people find the podcast as well. So if you haven't left a review for us, please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes and write a review for us. And we'd love five stars, but whatever you feel is appropriate is great. And if you have already reviewed us, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes and mark the other nice reviews as helpful. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, then you can subscribe at oncepodcast.com, through iTunes, through Stitcher, through all kinds of apps and mobile devices as well. And please jump over to our forums to continue the conversation and post new theories over there, over at oncepodcast.com slash forums. And you can uh, post pictures, videos, ideas, comment on everyone else's feedback over there, and send us your feedback for upcoming episodes of One's Podcast by emailing Feedback at oncepodcast.com or call 903-231-2221. Or you can also go to oncepodcast.com and click or tap on the send a voice message link. And please follow us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me on Twitter at the ramen noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on twitter.com slash phlegon that's p-h-l-e-g-o-n and follow jenny on twitter at jenny's nook and remember until next time the queen is dead long live the evil queen thanks for listening Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.
Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast, especially to Audible. Check them out for a free audiobook at audiblepodcast.com slash once. And if you'd like to donate to sponsor an episode of Once Podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Hi, Oncers. Hunter Hathaway here with this week's spoilers for Once Podcast. Season 2, Episode 21, Second Star to the Right, is directed by Ralph Hemlicker and written by Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg. Emma, Mary Margaret, and David go in search of Regina when they discover she and the beans are missing. Emma still believes Tamara has something to do with Regina's disappearance. Lacey doesn't know about Mr. Gold's magic, and he cannot decide if he wants to tell her. In the past, after Rumpelstiltskin abandons his son, Bay travels through the portal and finds himself in 19th century London, and is taken in by none other than the Darling family, after he befriends Wendy. Now, besides all the normal stars of the show, we have some guest stars this week. David Andrews is back as Dr. Whale, Keegan Connor Tracy as Mother Superior, Dylan Shimid as Young Bay, Freya Tingley as Wendy, Benjamin Cook as Michael, William Anishkoff as John, Andrew Airely as George, and Karen Inghammer as Mary. ABC was kind enough to release the first 10 minutes of next week's episode. You can watch it on their website. It looks really good. But if you don't have time, let me just tell you about it. A young bay is in 19th century London and very poor. He breaks into a house to steal some food. A dog barks, I think it's Nana, and a young girl Wendy walks in and gives him some more food. Flash to the present time, and tomorrow is up early to go for a run. Or so she says. A commotion is going on outside, and Gold is torturing Dr. Whale while trying to get him to kiss his boots. Neil runs out to break it up. Mr. Gold knows that Neil still has feelings for Emma, but Neil doesn't want to hear about it. The Charmings head over to Regina's office and notice that the Beans and her are gone. We find out a little more about Tamara and Greg. They are working for someone and they are there on a job for, quote-unquote, the office. Greg wants answers from Regina about his father and uses some sort of electroshock therapy. I found an awesome article on TVGuide.com. They asked the stars some questions about the season finale. Robert Carlyle says that Sneezy just may be getting his memory back. Oh, and there is a lovely m- moment between him and Belle that Rumpel- Rumbell fans will love. Josh Dallas says that, like the finale of season one, this will change it all completely. Is Regina taking over another kingdom? It looks that way in a spot Lana Perella did for Walt Disney World's new Fantasyland. Regina, as the mayor, wonders how to bring new fantasy land under her rule. The Beast and Gaston both make appearances. This spot is set to air on May 5th. That's all I have for you today. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Have a great day and enjoy the episode. <laughs>